Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Alan Hain, president and founder at Yard Mastery. Alan is passionate about lawn care, DIYers, YouTube, digital marketing, and social media. His YouTube channel, The Lawn Care Nut, started as a hobby and now has over 500,000 subscribers where he helps homeowners learn about DIY lawn care. He also has his own brand, Yard Mastery Incorporated, bringing niche brands direct to consumer using Shopify. We spoke about how he started in digital marketing, lawn care, product development, and the creator economy. Alan has an extensive knowledge of lawn care as well as digital marketing and just an overall great guy to speak with. Please welcome to the podcast, Alan Hain, the Lawn Care Nut. You're listening to the Agency X Podcast, and I'm your host, John Sertikowski, founder and CEO at Avex, an e-commerce agency for high-growth brands. My goal is to provide insight into e-commerce, technology, business, and everything in between. Make sure you subscribe to be notified about new episodes and visit our website, avexdesigns.com. Yeah, so uh, my name is Alan Hain. On the internet, I go by The Lawn Care Nut, and uh, that's a YouTube channel. And uh, I started that back in 2009. But uh, the way it came about is, is I worked for a company called True Green outside of Chicago. So I'm born and raised in Florida, but for 15 years, I lived in Chicago or outside of Chicago, Northwest Indiana, uh, over by there. That's what we kind of say. You, uh, you New Yorkers, you got an accent, but uh, the Chicagoans, they got their own accent too. Sounds kind of like this, like that, you know, a couple, two, three times a week. And uh, so I lived up there for 15 years and I worked for a company called True Green. We sprayed lawns. And uh, this was back in, I worked there like 1998 to, to the early 2000s. And so the internet wasn't what it is then. Uh, there was no mobile phones in 98, 99. So the internet was really different. But uh, working for True Green was very interesting. I learned how lawn care worked. I learned how grass worked. I learned that I have a passion for lawns and grass, and that was all fun. But I didn't like corporate lawn care. I didn't like the whole – I just didn't like it. And so uh, as the internet started getting bigger, I thought, man, I would like to be able to do something online, have a blog. And, and the way that came about is customers would be calling in during the day, angry or upset about the way their lawn looked for whatever reason. And I'd be trying to help them customer service-wise, and they wouldn't believe me. I would say, you know, your lawn is brown because you're not watering properly. And they would say, no, you burned it. Those are like, you know, those types of things. And people just wouldn't believe me. They didn't see True Green as an authority in lawn care. We were just a price leader. That's all we were. Cheap price. Yeah, get your lawn looking good. So I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll start a blog. And so in 2008, 2007, I started a blog. And what I would do is I would answer the questions that I got during the day from customers. I would answer them in the blog. And that way, when customers would call and not believe me, I would go, well, you know what? Go on the internet and see what this dude is saying. He's going to agree with me because people believed the internet, even though it was anonymous. That was my original thought. Never really worked that way, but it ended up that I wrote dozens and dozens of articles, how to fertilize your lawn, how to turn your lawn green, how to kill weeds. Well, then I start getting this organic traffic. And so like 2008, 2009, I'm getting 15,000 visits a month to my blog. And I had no idea why, but I was like, wow, I ought to be able to monetize this. And so I start going around searching how to make money online, you know, like everybody does those keywords. And I came across all kind of courses and names of gurus and all this kind of stuff. And uh, eventually met a guy that taught me SEO. And it was a one-on-one -on -one thing. And he actually was a Google hater. He hated Google. He taught me how to game PageRank. People don't even know what PageRank is anymore. But we used to buy, uh, you know, defunct domains that still had PR3 and 4. And we would change the content up and then link them to our sites and juice them and rank and so much fun. You get your site to number one ranking for a juicy keyword and a day later you get the index. So, 
it was fun and, and it was the early days of the internet. And I learned actually how to, to love Google from that because I thought, why don't I just start giving the algorithm what they want? Like I can give them great content. Why am I trying to fight this? And so that j- just became a journey of learning digital marketing all on my own. And, um, started doing really well, sold that blog in 2010 for at that time, what was life changing money. And I invested all of that money into more training. I bought domains. I started making websites. Uh, I also started doing, taking on some client work. Uh, I was living in Northwest Indiana at that time, still working for True Green during the day. And at night I'd be out there banging out uh, content and, and doing, you know, Google local listings and everything else for, for people. And in 2012, I got a call or I got a, one of my neighbors said, Hey, there's a guy starting a digital marketing agency in Naperville, Illinois. It's called, uh, it was called dealer inspire launch digital marketing, but it turned to, to dealer inspire. He's starting a digital marketing agency. They're going to do digital marketing for auto dealers. You ought to go talk to this guy. And so and I did, and he was meeting, he, his company was like literally meeting in the library in Naperville, Illinois. And I went and talked to him and he hired me as his first vice president and, um, a leader of SEO and digital development for this company. I was the ninth employee. So I left a 15 year career at True Green where I was moving up the ladder. I was in regional management, took a huge pay cut to go work for this tiny little startup company uh, as employee number nine. That was in 2012. And then that company, I worked there for uh, six years. And during that time, it uh, was acquired by cars.com and taken public. I think it was acquired for $150 million in six years. Uh, so, and I got to watch that grow. I didn't have equity or anything. I didn't, I wasn't smart enough to do any of that stuff, but I got to see that startup grow from nothing to something. And I learned true digital marketing, paid search, Facebook pay, all, all, everything I didn't know besides SEO. Um, the other thing that happened when I was working for that agency is I wasn't working for true green anymore. So now the cuffs were off non-compete, right? So I could start doing videos. I'd wanted to do videos a lot earlier, but when you're working for a company like true green and you're a regional manager, you can't very well be on video on YouTube telling people all the secrets. So. Once I ended up getting um, to the point where I wasn't working for Trigger anymore, now I could go ahead and um, do videos. And so I did videos for a while and uh, nobody cared. So my first video was like 2009 and nobody cared for six, seven, eight years. There was no, no DIY lawn care interest on uh, YouTube. But eventually it did happen in about 2015, 16, people started caring. And because I was the first one and the only one that had been making content on DIY lawn care, I was the recipient of all of the audience. Um, and that was really nice. And I started, so by now I knew how to monetize. I started doing eBooks. That was the first thing I did was sell eBooks, thousands of eBooks on how to take care of your lawn. That eBook has now been developed into an app that we have. And so now we're getting into yard mastery. Um, so it started as an ebook. And then once the ebook took off, then I said, well, I'll just take my philosophies on the ebook, what to put down and when to put it down. And I'll put that into an app. And so now we built logic into the app. So now people can download our yard mastery app and it'll give them a custom lawn program based on soil temperature. They can get a soil test. We'll tell them what fertilizer to put down and when pre everything through the app. So that's part of it. And then yes, an e-commerce business to develop around that. So in 2018, I have a business partner. His name is Josh Whitford. And he actually got through the same exact training I did. We met each other learning SEO years ago. And it was just in 2018, we finally came together to make this business Yard Mastery. And that's when we started, you know, getting products and things like that and warehousing. We can get into all that if you want. But there you go. That's kind of the backstory. I would just tell you that I listened to Gary Vaynerchuk through all of that. And so he was really the biggest inspiration for everything I did. I kind of followed his philosophies and his guidance, uh, not personally, but, you know, just from his books and everything. And now we have this really cool business. Awesome. No, that's a, a, a great background. And, and a lot of that I didn't know, right? I, I, of course, looked up your bio, looked up a little bit about, you know, and you speak about uh, True Green and you speak about 
um, you know, the, the, the on the YouTube channel and everything. But I didn't know about the digital marketing history until recently. And it's funny that you say that you started a blog because I used to work in corporate advertising and like, you know, for pharmaceutical companies, right? And now we do a lot of fashion work. We do a lot of various other things in e-commerce, but I hated it, right? I really did not like the process. So I started my blog too to write about web design and development. And that's really what went from just me being like, a freelancer to you know a 40 person agency now so like um similar there too um this was probably around 2012 where i got really into seo and i would say is seo is what launched my business like it was one of the biggest things focusing on keywords and even to this day a lot of the traffic comes from that so that was extremely smart and um you know one thing i wanted to kind of ask about is you got into youtube um, as a creator and the creator economy is blowing up right now. It's, it's huge. Um, a lot of the, the, a lot of our clients, some of them are creators and then they started e-commerce. I'm curious about when the products came into play. Cause I know yard mastery is, is, um, uh, your products that you create. Um, and I think there's some other product lines in there too, like, um, next, which mm -hmm. is awesome. I have that, I have a lot of those stuffs, um, the biostimulants, they were great. Um, curious, did, did the products come first or you started to do YouTube to support that? Or like, did you grow the YouTube channel and become a creator first and then start to introduce product? Yeah, it's a great question because this is where they call us influencers. None of us like that term, but that's just what we are uh, or what they call us. So the biggest challenge I find, because I talk to a lot of other creators in different niches, but mostly in DIY, home improvement stuff, the biggest challenge they have is how do I take this audience? I have this audience on TikTok or YouTube or wherever it is. How do I monetize the audience? And the way you have to monetize it is you have to get them off of that platform and bring them into something that you have control over. Uh, that can, for me, that was an email list. That was number one. And I still recommend that today. An email list is your number one thing to start because once you have somebody's email, now you can advertise to them on Facebook. You can obviously email them directly. There's a lot of things you can do with that. Uh, we also have an app. So that's another way that we were able to get those folks. But, um, the way it all started was originally I was only going to sell eBooks and e-products because obviously all margin, you know, no, no cost of goods, but over time, the audience told me what they wanted. So within the ebook, because I tell people what to put on their lawn, it's fertilizer, right? So originally, I would use store-bought fertilizers that I, I found a couple of fertilizers that were available in most of the country. So I was able to tell people, you can go to Home Depot or Lowe's and you can get this fertilizer. And I'll tell the name of it. It was Molorganite, um, Milwaukee Organic Nitrogen. Anybody that's ever watched any of my product, my stuff knows about Molorganite. They know I love the smell of it and all of these things. Um, they're still a partner of mine today. Yeah, they're still a partner of mine today. They're still the number one most used fertilizer in our app. Um, so I would do that. Well, what happened was Melorganite sold out around the country. This was like four years ago. Literally, you couldn't find it anywhere. And so the, the audience was like, hey, we need something that's not going to sell out. And as well as we need something that's not just a one trick pony. We need some other blends here, some other things. So I went to work and I started looking for how can I create my own line of fertilizer, my own Scott's four-step, for example, which is the big market right now. If you go to any Home Depot or Lowe's, it's all Scott's four-step for the most part. I thought, how do I do that? So I started learning. I started figuring that out. And what I learned early on is nobody would talk to me. All gatekeepers everywhere. Oh, you're just a YouTuber. 
they wouldn't even return my calls, nothing. I was like, okay, interesting. So I met John Perry. He is the owner of Green County Fertilizer. Those are liquid fertilizers and biostimulants. And he is what I call a believer. He believed in me. He believed in, in what we could do as a YouTuber, as an influencer, whatever term you want to put on it. And the nice thing about him was he was willing to drop ship for me. So, cause when I couldn't create my own products at first, I thought I got to find somebody to drop ship. And so he did, he, they set up a full shipping operation in there. They're just a, they're just a manufacturer of fertilizer, but they took all the investment and invested in the ability to do shipping for us. That was what they put in. And so then what I put in with that was my audience and, and we grew together and we, we did a lot of business together. Um, and then over time people would say, well, we want more than liquids. We want granular because that's where the audience really is. And that's where the most of people purchase is granular. So it took a couple of years, but by then I had some capital and then also my name about what I did with Malorganite, what we were doing with Green County started getting out. And now the fertilizer companies are calling me and everybody wants me to sell their stuff. However, I learned a lesson. And that is, is when you sell somebody else's stuff, that's cool. Even if you have really good agreements in place where you're, you know, you have an exclusive or whatever it is, it's still their brand. They still control it. And I thought, I don't, I want to have control my own destiny as much as possible. So I worked really, really hard to go ahead and invest and put in the capital to create my own brand. And that's what Yard Mastery is. And so Yard Mastery has its own four-step, five-step fertilizer program that we've created from scratch. And now we have suppliers that we buy from and we buy truckloads and things like that. And, and it's not so much of a problem. But I would just like to say it's, it, there's so many barriers, especially in fertilizer. This is an industry that hasn't been disrupted, the lawn care industry. Like taxi cabs have been disrupted by Uber and hotels by Airbnb. The lawn care industry hasn't been disrupted yet. So that's why I hit a lot more barriers, I think, than a lot of other creators might. It's all organics, which is kind of cool, but it's it doesn't really give you that pro level. It gives you that basic maintenance. And um, you guys, especially Yard Mastery, and you know, I got the app, and it really helps with like scheduling and timing, which is super important in lawn care. You know, measuring the soil temperature, doing I didn't even know soil test existed right until i saw okay i could do a soil test and it tells you so much so finding that balance like you could just go to home depot and pick up like scots but like i found out that i had a lawn that was insanely high in um phosphorus right so i bought a no phos fertilizer right and i threw it down with some more mm -hmm. organite too um so it had a little bit in there but you know just learning those things from the channel and also gaining customer trust. I think one of the biggest things with creators is, you know, sometimes influencers will come out with products that they kind of pretend to stand behind, but they maybe they don't use or, you know, they're just being paid to promote it. Um, but when I see like products like yours and a lot of other like content creators out there, like look at Mr. Beast, he created uh, Feastables, which is, you know, amazing right now and it's blowing up but he created that because it solved the problem for him when it comes to his diet and when it comes to what he eats and what he's allergic to same thing for you you created something that you would want to use that you stand behind um, and i think that speaks volumes and people could kind of see through um see through the noise when it comes to someone who's just promoting a product and someone who really stands behind a product and really believes in it so that that's something that i felt stood out for the content that you're putting out there um, and so created the products, you launched them. Um, can you tell me a little bit, I know you mentioned about the formulation and the logistics. That That's something I think a lot of young entrepreneurs or people getting into e-commerce, whether they're creators or not, that is a high barrier of entry of, of being like, okay, well I have a brand or I have an idea, 
you know, can you tell me a little bit about the process of like, you know, after you um, stopped like white labeling or, or private labeling, I'm sorry, um, and drop shipping, you know, what was the next step of actually formulating this? And then, you know, do you ship it out yourself? Do you have a warehouse? How does that kind of work? Because that, that's something I think our, our, our listeners would, would really like to hear about. Yeah, for sure. So, and I want to go back and I'll talk to you a little bit about Sunday and Mr. Beast too, when we get towards, cause uh, you just, you're hitting on some things that I think are really cool to, to, to expound on, but the way it started was, so the drop, sh so we started with eBooks and that was able to grow capital. You have to have capital. If, if you're going to um, sell your own products and warehouse them, you have to invest in that. You have to invest in inventory. So it took me a while to save that money. Um, that was the first thing. And then the drop shipping obviously allowed us to get some money. But what I did first is we hired a 3PL. So we sell fertilizer. Now, fertilizer, people are scared of that because of, of um, you know, Timothy McVeigh in, in Oklahoma City many years ago as a fertilizer. You know, there's, they're just, people are scared of it. So a lot of 3PLs, even though what we sell is the same thing as in the store, it's not that stuff. But anyway, a lot of 3PLs wouldn't touch us at all because it was fertilizer. But we did find one that would, and they were very good to us at first. And I say that, I mean, they did, they solved the problem for us. We didn't have the capital to open warehouses and hire people for that and buy boxes. And, and, and I had no good deals with FedEx or any of those things. And I didn't even know how that stuff worked. So we had a 3PL and we were with them for two years and we basically just deconstructed what they were doing and realized eventually we could do it cheaper. And so again, we just saved more money while we watched what they were doing. And then we were able to open our own warehouses. So we have I shouldn't say that we have one warehouse here in Florida that's ours. And then we have a new partner. They're not new now, but we found a new partner in South Carolina that uh, pretty much just uh, works with big bag stuff and we work with them. So we found a different 3PL for that, but they're a little bit cheaper. So uh, that's kind of how we're growing. I would have been opening more warehouses around the country so I could get better shipping rates. But just with the way the economy is right now, we're kind of just holding back on that. But eventually that's what we'll start doing is opening more warehouses around the country. And another thing I learned was my fertilizers themselves. Originally, I was trying to go for these really complicated fertilizers that you couldn't find anywhere and really cool ingredients and this and this and that. But what you learn is, is when you do that, when you make your product too complicated, it can only be sourced from one place. Well, now let's say that that one place is in Kentucky. Well, now when you open a warehouse in California, if you can only get your fertilizer made in one place, it costs you too much to ship it to California, to, to your warehouse. So what you have to do is you have to make a fertilizer that can be manufactured anywhere. And so that's what I've had to do is strike that balance between making my stuff super cool and super funky fresh and really rare, but also being able to be made anywhere so that as we expand, I can actually have a blender, a fertilizer blender right next to every warehouse. That would be perfect, right? So I don't have to pay that extra trucking cost. So those are some of the things I've learned uh, over time. And that's what we've come up with our fertilizer blends too. The way I look at the fertilizer I sell two things is number one is our soil test is what I call our Scott's spreader. I always like to bring this out. So the reason that Scott's is the number one player in the market is because you go to Home Depot and you buy a Scott's spreader and it works perfectly with Scott's fertilizers. It just makes sense. And so once somebody has that fertile, that uh, spreader, they're locked into Scott's ecosystem. It's very tough for them to leave because of that comfort, because there's no fear there. It breaks down their fear. My Scott's spreader is our soil test. So once you get a soil test from us, now we know exactly what your soil needs. There can't be anyone that can recommend anything better than me and my app because I know exactly what you need. So that is my Scott spreader is my soil test. You'll stay with me because I know exactly what your soil needs. Not too much, not too little. Uh, so I bring that out. 
Uh, I lost my train of thought on the other piece of it. No, that but, that, um, that makes sense. But yeah, that's kind of how we. That do. makes sense, and I I yeah, like we're I to... like that idea about creating a product that is sticky, that kind of like brings you into the ecosystem, similar to how like both tools and lawn care um, products like Ryobi or uh, Milwaukee or all the other Otoro, especially with the batteries. Like once you batteries. buy one. That's it. You bought into the system, and everything is is, is going to be. Yep. And that that people like that too. That's a good thing. It's consistent, uh, and and that really that really works. Um, you did want. I remember the other thing I was going to tell you. It's okay, important. Yeah. I want to get this out. Yeah, so sure. The yeah the um so the way I look at our fertilizer is like craft beer. Mm-hmm. So and this is one of my favorite things to talk about. So Scotts is Budweiser or Miller Lite, right? It's everywhere. And and if you follow craft beer, I'm a, I'm not a craft beer nerd anymore. I'm too old. My liver can't handle it anymore. But back in the day, I used to really follow craft beer and get into it. And it, on tap handles at like a Chili's or a Applebee's, it used to just be Miller Lite, Bud Lite, right? That was all there was. Then all of a sudden, Sam Adams starts showing up on tap handles. And I was like, huh, this is interesting. Well, now you go to a Chili's and they'll have a couple IPAs and everything else, right? That's craft beer taking over the industry. But the first was Sam Adams. That's how I see us is we're not that super triple IPA that's going to burn your face off or some crazy barley wine, but we're also not Budweiser. We're Sam Adams. We're right there in the middle. And that's how I look at my brand. I'm the Sam Adams of fertilizer. That is a great analogy. Um, Really, really good. That's perfect with Budweiser Scott's. Um, I went to the Sam Adams Brewery actually once in Boston, and it was amazing. It's really cool. They did a whole tour. They let you taste it. It's it was great. Um, it's a cool operation. So you mentioned, Sun. Uh, you wanted to mention talk about a little bit about Sunday and Mr. Beast and some of the stuff I mentioned there. What were mm-hmm. what were your some of your thoughts on that? So the with Mr. Beast, I'm glad you brought him up because so Sunday is a a brand, and you mentioned they're organic. They're actually not. They come across oh, yeah. as their marketing is all natural and all this, but actually, mm. it's not. Um, so anyway, the thing about Sunday is, and Mr. Beast says this, they are a traditional brand. So the traditional way a brand came to market is you create a product, you make it look all pretty, and then you have to spend a bunch of money creating an audience for it and creating demand. The way their creator economy works is the creator builds the audience and the trust then bolts the brand on top of that so he has a built-in audience and sales and so in this that's mr beast's model that's what he talks about mr beast says hey in the future when you go into a walmart and you look for a candy bar you will see beastables oh i know mr beast i'm just going to buy that because i know mr beast immediately even though he has a little and and what is what do you get when you get mr beast a little bit better ingredients he doesn't tell you that he's perfect but he's a little bit better than hershey's and that's what my fertilizer is it's a little bit better than the current production that's out there. And hopefully when you see my stuff on shelves, you'll buy because you know me. Um, that's that's the difference. And so and so Sunday's kind of coming into the market the traditional way, whereas I brought mine to market through the creator economy. Yeah, yeah, very different there, very different there. Um, are, is, is that something that you're looking to do is get onto shelves at all? I don't, I'm not sure if you are right now, but would you are you trying to get into retail locations? We're looking at it now uh, this year for the first time ever. I used to think I'm only going to be e-commerce. <laughs> I learned so much there. So example, we, we first started shipping 45 pound bags. You can't ship fifties, yeah. a 50 pound bag. When you go over 50 pounds with UPS or FedEx, they charge like a 10 or a $15 service charge or heavy item fee. Uh, and so when you have a 50 pound bag plus a box, you're over 50. So we learned really quick, we need to ship 45s. So I had everything I had made in 45s. And I thought I'm going to dominate this market. Cause when we first came in a couple of years ago, 
No one was shipping big bags fertilizer wise. You could go on Amazon and you could buy small bags, tiny ones, but you couldn't buy anything big. I'm like, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to take over the market with big bags. And we did. And we blasted out 45 pound bags. Well, what we eventually learned was that's good, but there's a reason there's only small bags on Amazon because you can put two small bags in a box and you can double down on the shipping and you can give people discounts and you know, you learn don't ship air. And so that's all the e-commerce we had to learn is that there's a reason why nobody's shipping these big giant bags. Now we still do it, but when we do bundle things, we can give customers a lot more discounts. We can do a lot more fun stuff in the box, put in prizes, things like that. So that's kind of some of our journey that way. But I've also learned with e-commerce, I'm still at the mercy of FedEx and 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 their gas prices and and whatever else, and that just it just hammers down on my margin. So that's when I started thinking, man, maybe we should try retail. And I mean, we have Ace store owners reach out to us quite often. Ace stores are big believers because they saw what we did with Malorganite. So yeah, we're looking to do that. I just need to 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 hire the right person for that because I don't understand retail at all. So I need to just find the right person that does and bring them on and let them do their thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good mindset right there is just understanding what you don't know because there's a lot of e-commerce brands right now and it's a big conversation in the in the community, in the e-commerce community about <clears throat> going into brick and mortar locations in retail because of like changes to iOS 14 and how um, Facebook ads aren't working as much anymore and their margins and their like cost of acquisition is getting crushed. So a lot of brands are like, how are we going to grow? And the next logical step would be to get into stores, but it's a completely different beast. It's completely different than just shipping your own products direct to consumer. There's different billings, there's different logistics, and it's a whole other thing. And if there's one piece of advice from there that I would pull out for, for other brands that are considering that is to hire that person or that consultant or that person who has that experience with brick and mortar because it's a whole different world and you have to know how to navigate it. And that's something that's that could be a little tricky. Um, and I think there's a lot of politics involved too when it comes to trying to get into locations, where your product is gonna live on the shelf and and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a lot of those. So come, I've done some research the, with the um, with the idea of uh, you know getting fighting for that shelf space. I'm hoping that what I can tell people is or tell these buyers is, well, listen, mm-hmm. if if you put Scott's on your shelf, does the CEO of Scott's get up and say, go to the Ace store in Springfield, Illinois, we're fully stocked there. He doesn't do that, but I do. Uh, and so, and the other idea is back to the Mr. Beast, you know, when people go into the store, hopefully they'll recognize my brand over anyone else's and then they'll they'll have a better trust there. So that's kind of what we're hoping uh, with the retail. The other thing is going into retail is your cash flow changes. So right now, when somebody buys a bag of fertilizer from me, they pay up front before I ever even ship it. So I get my money immediately. But when I start shipping truckloads to Home Depot warehouse or wherever it is, I'm probably going to have to be on 60 day AR. And and so that's going to change our whole cash flow and everything else. We really need to approach that business carefully. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, that that cash flow is extremely important. I think I forgot the term. It's like reverse cash flow or um, where you get paid first before you have to pay the bills for that product. And that's where a lot of companies can become really successful with managing that cash flow. There's actually a couple of really interesting products you may want to check out. One of them is called Parker. It's um, a, it's actually a credit card, and it allows you to make larger purchases for wholesale. But what's different from other credit cards is that they have net 60 and net 90 terms to pay them back. So basically, if you don't if 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 you're paying your wholesaler or whomever you're, you know, for the, the actual product and you're on 
net 30, net 60 terms, and the credit card could allow for 90, now you have that, that um, I forgot the exact term, but you're getting paid before you have to pay your bills, so you're never in the hole, you're never funding the products as much. So that kind of thinking where I think a lot of like younger e-commerce brands tend to just focus on brand and getting product out and revenue and not like considering margins and paying people back and paying the bills, which I think is, you know, one of the most important parts of running a business. Um, so it's good that you kind of are, are thinking three to five steps ahead before just jumping into getting your product in store. Yeah, it's cool. One of the things you mentioned, John, you, you say so many things that, that I like to go back to. You said Facebook ads don't work the way they used to. They don't if you don't have an email list. So what you do, so I'm telling you the, the, the email match is so valuable because when you have your own cohort, when you have your own audience that's large enough, it's, it's easy to make your ads easier to, to make your ads relevant. I think the challenge is people are using Facebook's audience targeting and it's, it's garbage, especially if you're in, uh, cause you know, they've done away with so much of what you used to be able to, to target. Um, but when you have your own email list, you don't really suffer from that because you have your own data. And so we're in also in a niche that's not heavily advertised in. You'd think lawn care is, but it's not. And so anybody trying to get into the market, I'll mention Sunday again, I see them wasting tons of money on who they're targeting, you know, again, going after all that organics. And all you see are people in the comments talking about how grass is evil and everything. And I'm like, yeah, you guys, you don't have an audience, so you don't know how to target. Yeah. Ha ha ha. <laughs> I say that they're a competitor, so. <laughs> yeah, they, they I, I, I think that first party data is something a lot of brands need to be able to focus on the email list or um, we're seeing a lot of, um, and I actually invested in this company called Inveterate, we're seeing a lot of e-commerce brands spin up memberships, so paid memberships, so that you could own that first party data, give special VIP perks to those members and have reoccurring revenue for it. It doesn't have to be a large amount of money, it could be like you know, $20 a year, $100 a year or something, and maybe they have access to specialized content, early product drops, specialized formulations, or certain things that you may be working on that only some of your VIP most loyal customers will find. So a lot of fashion brands are doing this now with like, you know, having, REI does it too with like their um, uh, yearly co-op program, you pay like $30 and you get access to all of these different things. So building that first party data and that loyalty you know, then you're kind of immune to anything that happens with, you know, social platforms shutting down or um, like TikTok. The TikTok might get banned in the United States. And there's so many people that have all of their followers on TikTok, TikTok and don't have that first party data. So I, I think that's, you know, extremely important to kind of diversify um, where your attention is coming from and diversify uh, all of that, the, the, your customer data. Yeah, 100%. Um, okay. Another question I had was as far as your marketing background, I, d I wasn't aware of that. And then I looked it up on, on LinkedIn and I saw you were VP of marketing. You mentioned for a car dealership. Are you full time on Lawn Care Nut and Yard Mastery or do you still dabble in working for other companies when it comes to digital marketing? Uh, no, this is my full time job since 2018. Yeah. So we started, so the lawn care nut is just my personality and it, it, yeah. and it has some revenue through sponsorships and brand partnerships and things. But I started Yard Mastery with my business partner, Josh, 
so we could have something that could live on outside of me. Eventually, I'm going to age out of this, or like you said, a, a, an algorithm is going to change somewhere, and I'm not going to want to have to learn it or whatever it is. And so we wanted to create a brand that could live on outside of me. And so that's what Yard Mastery is. We, it started getting revenue in 2019 for the first time. So, but yeah, that's my full-time job is just that. Excellent. That's amazing. I love that just because like similar to my background where I was like in the, in the, in it, like working the nine to five, which is great. Anyone could work nine to five if that's what you prefer, but needed to break out of that. And it's always great to hear how someone kind of almost turned a side hustle and a passion into their primary source of income and something that they love. So I, I absolutely appreciate that. Um, any advice that you would have to young creators or young brands that are just starting out? Like what would be some of the number one things that you would want them to focus on right now to help set them up for success? So the biggest one, like I kind of mentioned, we touched on it is you, you got to find a way to put names to these people, get them, get them somewhere that, that if, if whatever your platform is changes or like even YouTube right now, I feel like YouTube doesn't even care about seven to 10 minute content anymore. It's all one minute or podcasts. Yeah. Well, that's, that's shaking up a lot of people. So find a way to, to get those, those, your audience, your customers, whatever you want to call them, find a way to get them into an email list. That's the first thing. Um, other than that, I would say don't spend tons of money at first and don't just, you know, it's, it's easy for a creator to start getting a lot of views and you start getting a lot of attention and you get a lot of brand deals and that can go away. That's very fleeting. So you want to try to build something that can live on. That's a, a, a real business. People will say that to me often. We talk to different people and they'll go, congratulations on building a real business because so many people they talk to, they think their real business is AdSense money. And, and yes, that can be a real business, but you're not really controlling anything there. So I would say work on that, build a real business, something that lives on outside of you that you can still push and work on. And then from there, don't spend money foolishly and learn how to be a good operator. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about that a lot, right? A lot of people can get views, they can drive traffic, but they don't know how to operate an actual business. And this goes back to what you were saying, John. If you're not somebody that knows how to run a P&L, you don't know how to create a sales plan, you, you don't know how to track, you know, you have to hire somebody to do that for you so you can continue to do what you do, which is make content. Yeah, 100%. Focus on what you know. And if you can't learn the things that you're not good at, then maybe in the early stages, you had to, I had to be forced to learn how to read a P&L, how to do taxes and all of these other things until you're able to hire people that are going to be able to do those things for you. Um, okay, last question. What's next for Yard Mastery? I know you said you're working on di some different things. Anything new coming out? Anything you wanted to tell people about? Yeah, so the retail play will be big, but uh, our biggest, next biggest investment, we made an investment uh, this year in 2022 in a, in a soil lab. So they do our soil tests. So we invested in them so we could continue to grow them. So that was our big investment for this year. Uh, they're called MySoil. However, we're coming up this year. I'm really interested in the robot mower scene. Uh, I think this is the disruptor of lawn care. And I have some pretty big opinions about it that are positive ones, but the robot mower is going to take over the industry and it's going to be reaching customers that are not currently reached by old school brands. Everybody thinks battery technology is where things are going and batteries are nice, but it's really the robot mower. The robot mower does run on a battery, but it's the convenience that it brings. So uh, I'm already talking to a couple different companies. Uh, I look at this like the auto business. So when I worked for my agency, we did digital marketing for auto dealerships. So I had eyes on hundreds of dealerships. I was in the dealerships. I understand how they work. And the auto business is a very interesting business. I'll just say it that way. <laughs> 
there's a reason people don't like buying cars, but it's an interesting business. But what I learned though was franchises. I learned about OEMs, original equipment um, manufacturers. I, I studied Southeast Toyota distributors who distribute all the Toyotas in the Southeast. And I understand how they work with their dealerships. And I want to put that model into robot mowers. I want to have robot mower dealerships around the country. And so just as you would go to buy a car, you go to the dealership. Now we won't run them that way, but you go to the dealership to buy your robot mower and, and then we'll service your robot mower for you. So I see it like that. So I'm actively looking to uh, start importing robot mowers. Oh, that's, the, that's the next big thing. I don't know how I feel <laughs> about that, man. I, I feel, so I've been seeing this online. I saw your video on it and a couple of others posting about robot mowers. And part of me is like, cause you know, I like, I like, um, I like new technology. Like I, I, I got a Tesla and I love the self-driving. I like the, the ideas of, uh, around it. Like, you know, I'm in the tech space. So I like the idea of a, a mower that's going to do that for me. But at the same time, I still love mowing my lawn. Like I'm sad yeah. that it's November now. And I'm like, maybe I'll get one more in because it's still growing a little bit. But like, I, I think a lot of people love that. So I think, I think you're right. It's going to be big and a lot of people are going to use it. And I feel like they're just like with electric cars, like EVs versus um, regular, you know, uh, cars with engines. I think there's probably going to be those two sides that are like, you know, hardcore people who are just using their Toro gas mowers. And then just like now, there's a lot of people who don't want to switch over to battery. There's going to be a lot of people who are like, hey, I'm not touching that thing. I want to be able to mow myself. But there's going to be a huge, huge crowd that is like, hey, I just want to press a button and have it set my height. And it's just going to, it's just going to go. So I'm, I think it's going to be an interesting space to see how it plays out. That's that's pretty cool. I agree. I mean, you can see, enjoy the mow. I love to mow also. <laughs> so I'm not going to put one of these on my lawn right away. Well, I actually am to test it. But what I think about it is you're definitely not the target audience. But just because you have the robot mower, you can turn it off for a week and mow yourself. But then when, you know, if, if things get busy at home or at work and you're not home for the weekend, you just turn the robot on and it picks up for you. So that's kind of the halfway model. But what we're finding so far the biggest, because we're doing some tests around neighborhoods with Brett, who works with me, and he has people stop by his house mm. all the time. And overwhelmingly, the people that stop by to ask him about what he does are IT people, people who run you know, IT for large companies around here, infrastructure, wow. people like that. They love the idea of it. They want to get it out there. They want to hack it. And I, this is not one or two people. This is a lot of people that this is where they're at. And so that's going to be the first are the people that, that like the technology, like to hack it. And then what happens is once it gets on somebody's lawn mm. and you start mowing it really low, and you can do this with St. Augustine grass too, the lawn looks so incredible because it's cut every single day. So it eliminates weeds. The lawn looks immaculate. It's just so much better. And again, I'm selling them here, but the neighbors all want one. They just do. It's one of those things. It's the cool factor. Yeah. It's the it's the early adopter, and then the whatever they call them, early and late, and all. There's those terms, you know, that you can use from. Uh, so that's what happens. People really want to get on board, and it just spreads. Yeah. So I'm going to be early on that. Train. I mean, I'm sold. Uh, I'm sold. I mean, I said I don't know. I, I like mowing, but I like the idea of, of being like, well, I have to go for the day and just let it run, or I want to just sit on the porch and drink a beer and watch it happen. And it's probably going to be pretty consistent. I can imagine, like right now, we, there's like, you know, you have some divots, you have some things that need to, that you always miss a spot sometimes, especially I'm new into it, so it's not always perfect. But if you have a robot doing it, it's a different yeah. story. So I'm, I'm excited about that. 
Um, Alan, I think we covered anything. Anything you wanted to touch on? No, I think we're good. Thank you, John. I mean, I, people want to find me. They can find us at Yard Mastery. Um, you know, we have training, yard care boot camp. So I still sell a lot of training, things like that. Ebooks, our app is called Yard Mastery. But uh, no, it's fun. I don't get to talk this way often. Yeah, this, that's I'm why I'm kind of rusty at talking this way. Like, I, I <laughs> no, it's great. Yeah, I used to do keynotes and stuff and about digital marketing. And now I'm just so <laughs> in my own little world. So I like breaking out and, and talking this. That's great. Whatever you call this kind of talk nowadays. <laughs> I, I yeah, enjoy it. no, I think it's great. I, I think it's perfect crossover because, you know, one, you know, I'm sure there's there's lawn care people out there that are still in the e-commerce space, like people like me. Um, and I think there's a lot of people who who don't understand what goes behind, you know, the the creator economy, the e-commerce, the logistics behind it. Um, so, you know, this was a great conversation and I'm, um, I'm really happy that you were able to join and uh, I think our uh, listeners really like it. Uh, the websites where you could find uh, Alan are yardmastery.com and also the lawn care nut and we'll link them in the bottom um, and check them out on YouTube because I learned a lot. Thank you, John. <laughs> Thanks so much, Alan. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Agency X podcast. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, please make sure to subscribe. If you want to learn more about our services, you could find me on LinkedIn. You could also find me on Twitter at Jay Serta or visit our website, avexdesigns.com.